You're listening to the Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. This week on the Preppy Podcast, I'm interviewing Lindsay Thomas of Garland Bags. Lindsay's based in Savannah and makes gorgeous clutches from stunning fabrics normally used in the interior design world, such as Tebow, Scalamandra, and more. Her creations are timeless and elegant, and she herself is so funny and witty, which you can see in her Instagram post and especially during this interview. I hope you guys enjoy. So I have Lindsay here from Garland Bags, and I thought I would just jump right in. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about your childhood, where you grew up, what kind of child you were. Were you always creative? Um, I've been perfect since day one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm Lindsay Thomas. Um, I was born in Atlanta and currently live in Savannah, and I'm an only child. Um, Oh, I love that. I'm an only child, too. Are you? (laughs) And so, yeah, people make a lot of assumptions about what jerks we are, but I think um, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Mostly I'm not. My husband might say differently, but I think most people would. They seem (laughs) to be surprised when they hear that I'm an old child. Um, I'm a big people pleaser, which I think probably does stem from being an only child. So um, I tend to be the kind of person that just wants to get along and be everybody's friend and make everyone laugh and just everything's cool. So um, I think that was probably the kind of kid I was also. And, um, and then I also think that being an only child probably has a lot to do with um, my creativity. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think it just, you know, I didn't have a, I mean, I, we'd have, you know, people over to spend the night or whatever as often as we could but there was a lot of solo playing Mm -hmm. you have to be creative and entertain yourself totally yeah you have to use your imagination and play pretend and all of this stuff and I've got two kids now and I'm you know always bored and I'm always (laughs) encouraging them to use your imagination go out and build a fort in the yard and they (laughs) yeah they never follow my advice but anyway (laughs) I, I did a lot of that so I'm sure that, you know, you being an only child and being so creative, all of that helps now with when you're creating your bags and there's stories behind them, which we'll get into a little bit more later on. But that's interesting that you're an only child now. It kind of all makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. So So um, where did you go to school? Um, Did you go to college? What did you study? Um, And then did you learn anything there that kind of helped you for what you're doing today? Yeah. um, So I went to the University of Georgia. Um, And I was an advertising major and really in my heart of hearts, I had wanted to be an interior design major. I think Mm -hmm. I had looked into it and, um, but back then, you know, I was, I mean, you're 17 and you're supposed to be declaring a major. And uh, I just, at that time was thinking, oh, well, you know, I don't think that makes a lot of money. And so I'm going to go into advertising, which is funny because that doesn't make a lot of money either. But I thought, you know, I knew I wanted to do something creative and it felt like the most businessy creative thing that I could do for my 17 year old self. And so I was an advertising major um, and I did that a little outside of college. 
although not the fun, creative part of advertising. I went into more of the scheduling sort of advertising. I did okay. scheduling for TV ads. Um, and then I did that for a bit and realized this was just not my calling and went into, I went to work for ADAC, which is the design center in Atlanta. Um, okay. It was at the time. Trader. Before interior design, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. And it was just kind of like, I just want to get into this. And, and so I went to work for a showroom there um, that's now gone under. But um, so I was supposed to be an assistant salesperson. It was just me and another lady oh, wow. um, in the showroom and she was showroom manager. And um, it was very slow. There were no sales and the company eventually went under and I went on to do sales for a magazine. Um, okay. In Atlanta. So that where your kind of love for fabrics then came from is working at, um, you know, this design sort center. Of, but there was not a fabric showroom. Um, okay. It was my attempt to be around the stuff that really spoke to my heart, but it, you know, wasn't a, a great situation just because the showroom was not doing well. It didn't last long. We had almost no traffic. It was mostly furniture. Um, okay. Beautiful. I mean, beautiful, but super high dollar. I mean, incredibly high dollar kind of antique sort of stuff. And so, you know, you'd get very few customers ever coming in. And um, so then I just, out of necessity, I mean, this was like 0203. Um, the dot-com bust had happened. The economy was not great. I ended up having to jump ship and just do various sales jobs. And then after the magazine sales, ended up as a mortgage broker. Um, okay. Wow. I know. So you've, you've hopped around a little bit. Yes. That's, uh, yeah. I'm not even done. I mean, so I did that for a while and then we, that's where I met my husband. So that was fruitful um, at the end, but we were, you know, all in our twenties. It was this office full of people in our twenties making gobs of money. Uh -huh. And um, I mean, it was just like steak dinners and exotic trips and, you know, I mean, the this dream. Is, yeah, you can cut this out later if you want, but I always say it was like hookers and blow all the time, which, you know, it wasn't really, but that illustrates like, like, you know, a slow motion popping the champagne bottle, like kind of for years, uh, yeah. making more money than we ever had any business making, but we were ruining the world. I mean, <laughs> you know, and it all crashed to the ground yep. and, um, then I went to work. I, we had at some point in there moved down to Savannah um, just to try something new. And my husband and I were working from home. He was in that business too. He ended up going over to banking and I ended up working for Savannah College of Art and Design here in oh, Savannah wow. doing fundraising. <laughs> I stay with anything um, that I'd been doing when I could jump all over the map and do something unrelated to what I've been doing. IMO. <laughs> Um, oh, and I forgot to mention somewhere in there after we got married, I tried my hand at, at catering, at starting a little at-home catering business back in Atlanta. Um, oh my gosh, you really have dabbled in it all then. Yeah, I'm jack of all trades. I think exactly. I have an entrepreneurial to say. Yeah, well, I love starting something new and kind of learning it, and that's exciting, and expectations are low, and so there's just always this great hope. And then uh, an entrepreneurial spirit for sure. And so, yeah, no, I 
I love that. I relate to that a lot too. And I think it's funny, you know, you said that you went into advertising in college and I kind of went into communications PR because someone had guided me in that direction. I thought that looked fun, which luckily it worked out for me. Yeah, I was going to say, you stuck with that. I'm impressed. Well, no, there was a little time. I took a brief little hiatus for a year and thought I wanted to be an interior designer and got a certificate in interior design. So um, that's nice. what you know, kind of related to me when you dabbled in that as well. Well, I've seen the pictures that I assume are your house on Instagram, and you clearly are talented in that area because you've got great face. I love oh, all your thank you. That means a lot coming from you. Yeah. Okay, so then after you did the mortgage breaking, the being a mortgage mortgage broker, and then you did a catering business. Then how does all of this lead to Garland bags? What was the inspiration? When did you get started with that? Okay, so then we got. So now I'm working at SCAD. I'm doing fundraising. It is not for me. I mean, just very, very much not for me. Um, they had done a really nice job of trying to incorporate my ta- my particular talents into a position, and that was really lovely. I'm a pretty good writer, and so they had, and then I'm pretty good with people, so they had kind of combined into this director position where I was writing grants and um, any kind of letters that were going out to VIPs, I was writing the templates for and then also I was soliciting some of our largest supporters for fifty, a hundred thousand dollar gifts, fifty thousand dollar, you know, I'm sorry, million dollar gifts, just huge amounts. And that's as uncomfortable as it sounds. So yeah. um, <laughs> after doing that for a while, I, I finally got pregnant and that had taken a while and um and just found myself too stressed out, just not happy at all. Ended up having my son and was working full time and frankly, didn't want to be. Um, But at that point, we couldn't afford for me to go part time or certainly not to leave work. So I had my son in daycare and was going every day at lunch to nurse him. And, um, you know, just having a really hard time kind of finding my way to a peaceful place with being away from him so much. And looking back on it, I think that had a lot to do with just being unhappy in my job um, okay. because That's I have a lot less of an issue. Yeah. I'm I'm fine being away from my kids now that I'm doing something I love, which <laughs> sounds horrible, <laughs> but. Um, well, now they know. probably rely on you less though too. So you don't yes. feel like. Yeah. They're in school all day. Yeah. It's, yeah. Totally totally different situation, but, um, then got pregnant with my daughter and finally was kind of like, this is it. I can't do this, this anymore. I'm miserable. I need to be part-time. And, and at, around that same time, my husband uh, has had some changes at work and now, now we could afford it barely. So, um, I went and worked for, a, a one of the big SCAD donors actually was a property investor, um, oh. and worked for him on a part-time basis for a little while. And, um, and then he ended up needing to to hand the business over to his son. Um, okay. and, and it was a tiny little business and not room really for me and his son. So I, I was kind of let go, I guess. And um, I had been kind of messing around making pillows during all this time for fun. I had taken a sewing class back when I was trying to get pregnant. 
to distract myself from the kind of obsessive nature of trying to get pregnant. Anyone out there who's ever tried knows what I'm talking about. Um, and had been making pillows for fun. And that's this finally in huge circles around it is where I kind of came into this love of fabrics. Um, I decided, you know, I'm going to make pillows for people individually and I'll make them for designers. But I decided to become a resource for custom, very high-end pillows. And so okay. I bought myself a resale certificate, tax ID, and went to all the big fabric houses and just started ordering memos. And I was spending hours every night just pouring through Kravitz website and Schumacher's website and Scalamandre and everybody and just ordering memos of every single fabric that I liked, some that I thought I might like. And I mean, I did this for months okay. and I built up this huge swatch library that I kept in my workroom and just spread the word and then started making pillows for people. And, um, and sort of that process kind of became I mean, there's no such thing, but a fabric expert, you might say. I mean, to this day, someone can send me a photo of, you know, some fabric on something. And what is this? And I'll 90% of the time know what it's called. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) That's a a good trick to have. Yeah. Yeah. I really like to show off with (laughs) fabric. I feel like there's lots of times I'll be on Pinterest and find a great fabric and then I'll post it on Instagram asking if anyone knows it. Um, yeah. So you're, you're going to be my go-to source for yeah. that, a little Text good party it. trick. <laughs> yeah, to join the, join the club. I, ha- I get texted that regularly. So um, anyway, so here I am making pillows and it's not lucrative as you might expect, but fun. I mean, I've never, never been happier in my life. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. So but, with the pillows then, were interior designers coming to you with kind of what they were looking for and then you would make it? Or were these pillows then you pre-made and were just selling them sort of as is? Sort of both. Um, the Interior designers knew what fabrics they'd want. So often they would just come to me and say, can you make me, you know, these fabrics, I've got the fabric. Or sometimes they'd have me order it. Um either way, but the most fun ones were friends or, you know, acquaintances who were trying to just judge their living room and they knew they wanted a layer of pillows. And so they'd come in and we'd pour through the fabric swatches together and, you know, come up with a scheme. I mean, that was by far the most fun. Oh, for sure. And so were you doing this out of your house or did you have a little studio in town? Yep. I was doing it out of my house. We had this little room off of our master that was built as a home gym um, before we moved in. Uh And so that's what I started using. And my dad built me this really big sewing table and I got shelves and I just kind of converted it. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I discovered in that process that the value of making something. Um, and I don't know if everyone has this yearning, probably not, but I hadn't realized how much I had really had it. It kind of explains the catering and it explained what was so satisfying to me here was just using your creativity and then making a physical thing that now exists that didn't before. I mean, that was just I don't know. It kind of takes me back to childhood. I think 
I think children really love that feeling and they make a drawing or a painting or, you know, a Lego creation or something. I think it. There's pride in it. Yeah, there's pride in it. And there's just. Yeah. Almost primal about making something. Mm -hmm. And we don't get to do that much in, in the modern day. You know, everything's made for us in a factory or whatever. So anyway, kind of finding that part of me and realizing how good that felt and being able to use my creativity, that was all really uh, valuable. Um, so I did that for a while. And then um, after a few years, had all I, was, I would keep the big clippings of really wonderful fabric. It was kind of too small to make a pillow out of, but big enough that it felt like, oh, that's a shame to throw it away. I know how expensive that is. Um, and I had these thoughts that maybe I would make a few quilts one day with the scraps of all these amazing fabrics and give them to my daughter and her daughter. Yeah, yeah I, I doubt she'd like it, but. Uh, that's still um, a cool idea. You should, do, you should do that with some of them still. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. I'm still keeping some pieces. So I just have these bins full of extra kind of fabric scraps. Um, and then one day made a handbag or, you know, like a really rudimentary clutch out of one of those pieces. I'd come across a tutorial on Pinterest and, um, and it was like cardboard and hot glue and just really, and, you know, not really something you'd ever actually use, but it, yeah. it gave me ideas. It was, um, the launching pad. it was totally the launching pad and I made yeah. it and I posted a picture of it on Instagram and do you know who Tara Knott is on Instagram? I don't actually. It's, it's like this mystery man who is really into just design and beautiful things and kind of the, the finer things in life sort of, and no one knows his identity. And he's, I mean, people have done articles about him. He has a wife and children, but that's all we ever really know. And he mostly yeah, look him up. He's got this real cult following. And um he liked this photo, oh. which means nothing. I mean, that went nowhere. <laughs> Except to say that I I mean I was like oh. But at least you were onto something. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh. And um and then people were really enthusiastic about the clutch and that got me excited. And so then I made a few more. Um, so do you still have that original picture on your Instagram then? Yeah. Yeah. It's a green one with a, with a gold alligator. And it's like the first non-pillow that I oh ever my gosh, I love that. So what was that fabric then that you used for your first one ever? That was a raw green silk. Oh. Um, and I've used green silks since then, but not that particular kind. But um, yeah, so that, that, although that particular kind of, method of putting them together with hot glue and, you know, cardboard <laughs> was not sustainable. I did start thinking about, you know, how can I make a nice clutch and one that's got the heft? I don't want it to be this floppy and flimsy like fabric. Uh-huh. I want it to be hard sided and have some heft to it. Um, and I want it to be kind of pushy on the inside. And so just started, went to Joanne Fabrics and started playing around with know the thing the ways you could construct it and um and kind of came up with something I mean I played with different shapes and different ways and I mean it's still evolving 
but um, I think I've gotten to my good kind of final envelope closure clutch. No, they're gorgeous. They're so classic. Thank you. So yeah, and then it became, oh my gosh, I've got this creative outlet and it's just all I've wanted to do since the day I did it. I mean, since that very first one, it's like all I think about. So dreaming of different fabrics and different adornments and all of that. Yeah. Yes. Started um, ordering vintage brooches at first. Then I discovered vintage belt buckles, which are a lot bigger um, and started using those. And now I'm now I'm kind of at a point where I can um, I found someone over in China who can manufacture my own hardware. And so I'm now designing your own hardware then now. Yeah. Yeah, That's which is nice. super fun. So a lot of times I'll take something vintage and kind of use that as a starting point for something, mm-hmm. you know, fun, make some changes to it. Something, you know, it's nice that I can send that over and say like this, but I want it to be this size. I want these stripes to be different or, you know, I want it to be that shape. So you but I kind of make it your own. Yeah, Exactly. Um, and so now, are you still sewing each of the clutches yourself, or do you have a factory you're working with? Or both, both. So as I, you know, I went through that first year and a half sewing them all myself, and as it's gotten bigger, um, you know, I had to decide first of all what I even wanted to do with all this. I mean, did mm-hmm. I want to just keep it as a as a fun side? kind of hobby that makes me a little extra spending money or do I want to make this a real business um and decided yeah I want to make it a real business and so um because of that I realized okay I'm gonna have to figure out how to scale which is not going to be possible if I continue making everything myself and if I continue having all the hardware be this vintage piece that I found after looking for 45 minutes on eBay and estate sale websites. Like that's not sustainable. Yep. So that's kind of where I came into, okay, I've got to find a factory, but of course I didn't know where to begin. And I didn't feel like I was ready to go overseas. And I had a general sense that, um, you know, there, I was probably going to have to order a minimum of, you know, thousands and, and I didn't have any money to do this. And mm-hmm. my husband is a banker and the most risk averse person ever. So <laughs> there was no way that we were going to have one of those stories of, and so we took out an equity line on the house and I <laughs> put down, down payment on my, free, you know, that wasn't going to happen. So oh, you um, guys were smart about it. He's been um, supportive in, you know, in so many ways, but we are not mortgaging anything and we are not taking out any loans. So it's got to be kind of an all cash flow operation. Yeah, um, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So for someone that doesn't know of Garland Bags, can you describe Garland Bags uh, okay. you know, in a sentence or a few sentence? Yeah. So I usually say it's a luxury handbag line utilizing high-end home decor fabrics and unique, often vintage decorative hardware pieces. So That's perfect. Um, and price points for people who don't know? Price point runs generally from two fifty to four hundred dollars, sort of depending. So and for anyone who's not so familiar, um, a lot of the designer home decor fabrics are are just that—they're home decor fabrics, and they are—you'll see them on 
um, draperies and pillows and, and wallpapers, and they are stunning. I mean, they're they're absolute works of art, and they yeah. are they are of themselves these kind of worshipped, followed adored artistic creations by the interior design world and by you know people who are fortunate enough to have them in their homes and uh and I love them and I'm I'm just so enamored and I love looking at new ones and finding discovering new patterns and it's just so wonderful and so I just thought you know how could you use these wonderful prints in a way that it's not just on pillows, you know, I just love them so much. I don't want to just leave them there. And so that's kind no, of, I love that. that's kind of when I had posted about them, I described them sort of as, you know, you can wear these gorgeous fabrics for pillows and things like that. And it's also slightly, you know, cheaper because you're, you don't need as much yardage as you right. do for pillows, or if you wanted to have a whole um, bathroom in the Scalamandra Zebra um, wallpaper. So it's, it's a more affordable way to it, exactly have those great luxury fabrics. That is exactly right. Yeah. Great point. And the same, I'll also occasionally use um, Hermes and Gucci scarves and, okay. um, and those, you know, that's a nice way to have an Hermes or Gucci clutch without having to pay what you normally would for an Hermes or Gucci, you know, handbag yeah. of, some, of some kind. I mean, it's not, you know, from their house, but, you know, it's it's a pretty neat piece and extremely unique. Um, and those are the ones that are more expensive something that's classic that they'll have forever and they can pass down, um, you know, these fabrics and prints and these silk scarves are timeless, really. Yeah, absolutely. And those I'm still making, they require, I, I don't know, a lot of finesse in where to cut and exactly how to do this or that. And my, my factory here that I use is more than capable of doing something like that, but I make so few of them. Um, and I charge so much for them that it just kind of feels very, you know, haute couture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so for now, how, for why do you think people love garland bags or what's some feedback that you've been given about why people love your bags and your creation so much? Um, I think that as of now, they are, they're really unique. I mean, I don't see almost anyone else doing this. Um, I think I, not surprisingly, have a big following from interior design world, which mm-hmm. makes sense. And, um, and I love and I'm incredibly flattered by because I'm in awe of all of them and wish I was one of them sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think there's definitely a, a big crowd out there who really appreciates these fabrics and these prints and has loved them forever like I have. And loves the idea of being able to utilize them in a different way, <clears throat> in a more high profile way. Um, and then I think other people, uh, you know, even if you aren't in that world, you appreciate these prints and these fabrics for the same reason, because they're just gorgeous and they're so different and they're so interesting. Um, and it's just really fun to have a pop like that. I think, um, it's really handy. You know, a lot of the people I know personally who love them, they love to wear a lot of black, a lot of solid color. You know, they, they like kind of a really classic tailored sort of understated wardrobe. And that allows 
a, a really fun pop without having to, you know, invest in a really loud shirt or something. So um, they could have fun with the accessory. Yeah, exactly. They can punch up what they already have without having to spend a ton of money on something they're not sure if they're going to wear. So how do you pick your fabrics and adornments? Like I know you have this library of um, remnants that you've collected over the years and such, but how do you decide or even a new one that, you know, you haven't used before or haven't seen before? How do you decide, you know, that this speaks to you and you want to make a bag out of it or you want to make this adornment? That's a good question. I mean, sometimes it'll be one. What's that? Is it just something, you know, kind of within you that sparks an interest or? um... Yeah, pretty much. It's something that grabs me. Like I'll either I've known about it for a while and I forgot about it and I come across the memo of it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot about this. This would be so great. Or maybe it's one that, um, I see on, so I follow a ton of interior designers on Instagram mm-hmm. um, for inspiration. And uh, and I just want to make sure I'm always staying on top of, you know, new prints and new trends and that sort of thing. And so it may be something that I see in somebody's room they posted um, that I've never seen before and I fall in love with it. Or, I mean, sometimes when I'm bored, I mean, if, you know, if it's, I mean, thank goodness that the, you know, NCAA championship got canceled this year. I know that's terrible to say, but um, my husband, otherwise we'd just be watching basketball all the time in my house. And so um, or like golf season or really a baseball season. I mean, any sports season, that's when I'm on my phone and I'll get on, you know, the fabric websites and, um, and just browse and just look for fabrics I've never seen before, order swatches, and just kind of wait for something to speak to me. And now, and, and and it matters more now when I'm trying to decide what the next bag is going to be, because I'm, I don't have remnants much anymore. I mean, I still have mine, and that's how it started out, those remnants and small pieces. But now, you know, my scale's gotten bigger. I've got a factory making at least half of them, probably more this year. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm just scaling everything up. So I'm ordering yardage now. And that is, you know, upfront cost and risk. Um, so I really do have to think through it. It's got to speak to me and grab me. I've got to feel super excited about it. And then I've got to think through, like, Ugh, are people going to want this? And sometimes I nail it and they love it. Perfect. And sometimes I misfire. And I'm What's st- been some of the ones that people have loved and nailed and what's been, you know, kind of one that's been a misfire that you thought might have done better? Yeah. Okay. So let me think. The ones that people have loved have been the Hunt Sloan and Bunnies. That oh, yeah. just consistently goes well. Um, anything Schumacher, Chain, Chiang Mai, or mm-hmm. um, the Schumacher Citrus Garden. I mean, those... I've loved since day one and everyone always loves them. Um, yep, they're classic. Yeah. They're just really classic. And the, I think the, the colors lend themselves really well to kind of a lot of different outfits and they appeal to a lot of people. So um, some of those, and you know, people loved them as I thought and hoped that they would. And so they've become repeats and now it's kind of comfortable to know that I can order some more yardage once I've run out and, they should continue to move. And so that's been kind of nice to have at least 
just the slightest enough history in this to, to have a few that I know are, are kind of fan favorites always. Um, some of the ones that have misfired, there's, there's a Schumacher um, Studio Bond that's got like stars and circles on it that I just uh-huh. love. And I ordered it in several colors and it's, it hasn't been a bust because, you know, certainly I've sold some of them, but I just thought they were so wonderful and they were going to fly off the shelves and they didn't. Um, I wonder if that's because it's a little more subdued. I feel like there's not as many colors in it and as much pattern maybe. Yeah, maybe so. Or maybe, I don't know. And then the Scalamandre zebras, they move, they go. And I, they're probably my favorites of all of the I have that. I love that one. Yes, you've got the yellow. Yeah. Um, but I just, I expect to put them up and I expect it to go within 30 seconds. And it doesn't. I mean, it has, but I don't know. They just, they never are quite the frenzy that I expect when I put them up. Um, yeah, that is interesting. I know. The Hermes and Gucci scarves, they go within about a minute and a half. They go very quickly. So that was a oh, good idea. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the other fun things um, that I, one of the reasons I love following you on Instagram is I love the stories behind all of the bags. You kind of give them personalities. Um, so tell me more about that. How do you come up with the stories behind the bags? Are these based off of real people, you know, or is this kind of, you know, like your imagination that we talked about being an only child um, and you kind of just run with it? Like both. Um, both. I mean, I think everyone I know is terrified that these are based off of them. I definitely, I will borrow little stories of things that have happened with people I know. And generally, if I do that, it's a friend and it's something that, you know, I would never say their name and it's something I know they would totally have a sense of humor about um, to read it and know that was them and know that only those of us who were there and who are friends even know about it, you know. I'm careful too if I'm incorporating something in about someone I know that it's someone I'm very good friends with and that wouldn't be offensive. Um, And I've kind of gotten that way really with the names. The names are truly just, I just pick a lady's name that I haven't used in a while, you know, or, or like someone that I just had a convert, like they'll, they'll be a Patricia soon because we are talking today. (laughs) I can't wait to read them. Yeah. (laughs) Fine, but I promise whatever the profile is will not be about you. Um, <laughs> and that's what I'm careful about is if I pick a profile, I got to make sure that the name is not someone that I'm friendly acquaintances with that's then going to be scared that I think of them. You know, I, I yeah. do have to worry about that. And I'm, you know, if anyone's listening, I, that is, I never am going to use that as a weapon ever, ever, ever towards anybody. So Mostly, I just based, I just kind of look at it and I conjure up some general personality of a, a lady, and then I kind of build on it based on nothing other than just imagination, maybe movie character behavior and things I've read in books. I don't know. I mean, I literally. They're so funny. Everyone needs to go and check out your Instagram and read this because I normally I don't read that many people's physical post on Instagram, I feel like these days. But whenever you post, I make sure to read the whole thing because they give me, you know, a smile, especially during these times. It's always fun. Oh, good. Well, that means a lot. And, um, and I probably get more 
feedback on the stories than I do on the actual bags uh, <laughs> in life. I mean, when I come across and now <laughs> I will encounter people in Savannah at, you know, some black tie fundraiser or something. And they'll be like, excuse me, are you Garland bags? I mean, it's happened a, a few times. Um, and they kind of know me from Instagram or just from around town, um, the bags. And it's always the stories that, that they, that they talk to me about. So that's, incredibly flattering really fun it's a lot of pressure you know in the beginning that was fun and easy but I feel like I've used up all my good ideas um so now when I come up with a personality I'm just kind of like oh gosh I've done done a redneck yes I've done a you know blue blood who's faking it yes I mean I'm you know I'm trying to come up with something new and then it's funny yeah. also, it's kind of similar with, you know, when you pick a, a fabric pattern that you think is going to be a huge hit, like sometimes I'll write them and I'll just be giggling and I think it's so good and I'm so excited and I can't wait to post it. And then I post it and then I get like not, I'm crickets, like nobody cares or reacts. And I'm like, oh, man, I thought that was really funny. And then other times I'll post some that I just, I couldn't find the inspiration. So then I'll just do a bunch of, you know, it feels basic a little bit to me. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, best one yet. I love it. And so, and <laughs> Sometimes maybe that has to do with the algorithm though, too. You know, yeah, you never maybe. know. Maybe so. And, and I, so I don't. So what's um, a dream like fabric to use that you haven't used yet, or maybe a collaboration with another business? Um. Good question. There are some fabrics that are just so expensive. I can't, like, I can't justify the bag would have to be $500, you know, just, and I just can't, I don't think anyone would buy it. It's too scary to invest them, especially right now to invest (laughs) the money. Um, and I'm trying to think of what that is. I mean, um, Clarence house does this Tibet, tiger print and I've done yes. numerous clutches in that print mm-hmm. but they have a velvet that oh yeah they have a velvet version of it that is absolutely incredible oh and, my gosh I can imagine no and I can't I can't afford to do it um and there are some Schumacher velvets actually that are the same and I just I just can't justify it I can't afford it and then there are some wallpapers Cole and Son wallpapers that I am in love with and they don't make fabrics and I don't know I'm like who do I need to sleep with to get a fabric <laughs> out of these prints because I mean please so um you know there are it would be super fun to, to team up with Cole and Son and, and have them do some limited run fabric prints um that I could do clutches with but you know I think my my very favorite fabric house right now and has been since day one is Schumacher I mean I'm just I just love everything they put out and they put out new prints all the time and I love seven out of ten of them you know they're just they're gorgeous they're pieces of art basically they are they're incredible and I I just I love making clutches out of their stuff and I'm sometimes I get self-conscious that I'm looking that I look pathetic (laughs) <laughs> like, like it's a guy I'm, you know, 
secretly courting or something. I'm like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want you to think I'm stalking you, but I'm stalking you. And, you know, I'm not obsessed with you or anything. I mean, look, I use other prints too, but I'm really obsessed with you. I mean, oh, that's too I funny. So it would be a dream person to have carry one of your bags then? Oh, I mean, okay. So I've always felt like Reese Witherspoon would be a great embodiment of- Oh, for sure. You know? But, you know, she's got Draper James, and, and so I'm not sure she would ever be- Well, you could do it in one of her prints. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, that would be super fun. And then Kelly Rippa would be um, super fun. I love her personality. Obviously, she's easy on the eyes. She has a wonderful yeah. sense of style. Um, they would be two huge wins. Um, oh, and then Cam Wimberly from um, Southern Charm. Southern Charm. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm in love with her. She's like the Schumacher of um, reality TV for me. I think she's she great. is. She has a great style. She has great style, great sense of humor. Um, yeah. Beautiful to look at. I think that we would be best friends if she just knew me. I think we all feel that way. Um, <laughs> she's a sweetheart. I've met her a few times. And she's very sweet. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. And then, so you've worked with a lot of bloggers, um, and had a few brand collaborations, I feel like over a short period of time too. So yeah. how have you done this and kind of what's been some of your favorites, um, along those lines? Yeah, that's been an interesting, um, lesson and it's been very new. So I had up until this calendar year, been doing a lot of trunk shows as I could and, you know, vendor table opportunities at large events and things like that. Um, had done some travel and that's that's risky because you know the time traveling and then the the expense of staying in hotels and I mean the time spent traveling I, I did not time travel um, <laughs> although that could have come in handy but um you know and then to get there and if you sell four bags that's not worth it and so learning a lot of hard lessons that way um I finally decided to um, try paying for posts this year. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I will say, I think one of the very first bloggers that ever posted one of my clutches was you. And that was incredibly successful. Aww. I mean, it really was. I got a bunch of new followers from that. And then, but I got a lot of sales. It was like a huge per capita sales. And it was so good lesson in this is not just about follower number. This I need to look at the person, you know, what their format is or their platform really, you know, what kind of stuff they're posting, what kinds of things their followers are reacting to, because that'll tell me, you know, are these people, you know, realistic potential clients for me? Um, and yours was such a big bang, you know. So, oh, I'd love to hear that. That's yeah, great. that was actually, I mean, I, I talked about it for a few days to family and friends around me because I have no one else working with me right now. So <laughs> you'll have to do it. Um, my first paid post was with Taggy French in January. Okay. And I was really nervous about it because it was a lot of money for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I had approached her about a year prior just and knowing nothing and just being like, you know, well, just let me know how this works. I'd love to collaborate. I knew enough to know that they call it collaborating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, let me know, you know, if you're interested in collaborating. 
and they sent me back a price sheet, which I had not even known that that those were paid placements with a lot of the bloggers. Yeah, they sent you a media kit, probably. Yes. Mm-hmm. Send you a media kit with kind of your options, and um, and that was, you know, a little bit of a punch in the gut because at that point I had no money to spend. Um, but then, you know, I started squirreling away um, over the course of a year, and then I did have a bit of a marketing budget. And I decided to reach back out to her um, and see if they were still interested. And they were. And I ugh, I wired that money over it with a pit in my stomach. And um, it was one of the most successful expenses I've ever had. I, That's I just, wonderful. It paid off that. Absolutely paid off. I could not believe it. I was completely elated. It had the same outcome of like a really, really good vendor afternoon you know if I were to go set up a table some women's thing um and done really well that was the outcome plus uh, you know 250 new followers or something I mean yeah and you didn't have to leave your house and I didn't have to leave my house I mean it was really great and so and and you know all the new followers and these customers equal likely but future orders too Uh so I mean it was just it was such a a wonderful lesson in another way to do it in a way that I hadn't done it yet. And a good lesson in taking a chance um, and investing and, and that sort of thing. So that was, really yeah. but I will say I've done some paid posts since then, um, sort of assuming that I was going to have the same outcome. Um, it felt like the, the people were the same or similar and, you know, that the audience was, was similar and it did not, it was nothing like that. You know, I'd sell one yeah. back and get like 25. Yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes there are great hits and then other times some things fall flat, but it's kind yeah. of the gamble of it with the influencer right. world. Right, exactly. And so now I find myself kind of in a place where I realize I need to make a study of it and really get down to brass tacks about, um, you know, who where this is going to make sense. Um, I feel like one of the best uses of bloggers when you're in a small business like this is people who don't yet have the following where they're charging, but uh-huh. have a nice following and their aesthetic matches yours and their customer base is clearly a similar to yours. And, and it's just such a nice scratching each other's back way to do things because they need content. They need, you know, nice things. They get um, a complimentary piece to add to their, you know, wardrobe or home or whatever it is. Um, and you get the publicity and, and it, you know, that those have been some of my very favorite collaborations because yeah, they it's a great cross promotion and you can kind of grow together. Totally. Totally. So, so who inspires you in terms of either style or business? Who do you kind of look up to and um, get inspiration from? Lori Birch. Okay. <laughs> she's a great one. She's a great female entrepreneur. She is. She, her personal style I'm obsessed with. She's, um, the, she's my Schumacher in the fashion world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that I'm obsessed with Schumacher, but you know, I keep bringing them up. They're like my ex-boyfriend or something. I can't stop talking. <laughs> but um, yeah, Tori. I mean, if you see me in real life, I am often in Tori Birch. Absolutely love 
her style, her prints. Um, and then I have read a good bit of articles about her and interviews. Uh -huh. And um, she's a wonderful entrepreneur and really cares about women in business. And I don't know, man, I think she's just the tops. I really do. Yeah, she has impeccable taste. Um, the Birches, they actually live in the Philly suburbs here where we do. Um, but so her style, though, is just amazing. And she does have a lot of ways that she gives back and helps mm -hmm. women entrepreneurs um, and other females, which is so wonderful and inspiring. Yeah, yeah. Yep, she's awesome. So what's um, a challenge that you've faced in your business? And we kind of talked about some of them, but what's been kind of a big challenge? And then how have you overcome it and you know gotten over that hurdle? Um, I would say my biggest challenge to date, I've been doing this for roughly two years, um, maybe year and a half ish, something like that. And the biggest challenge so far has just been to decide at what rate I'm scaling up. Um, you know, once I decided that this, I was going to take this seriously, which I mm -hmm. took me a long time to decide that I felt silly um, kind of taking it seriously. Like I, I didn't see, you know, a handbag design. I still make fun of myself and go, oh, I'm a handbag designer. Which <laughs> I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have that imposter syndrome yeah. where they feel like, you know, they're an imposter. I mean, even I do still to this day. I feel like I always come into a conversation when people ask what I do and I say, oh, I'm a publicist. Not that, you know, I have my own business and such. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, every time I go to buy something, kind of splurge on purchasing something, then I turn to whoever I'm with and go, well, I am a handbag designer. I mean, like, I can't stop making fun of myself. <laughs> I'm like anything I ever expected to be doing ever. I mean, uh -huh. I'm not an exceptionally stylish person and I, I think I have good taste, but I just I never, I was never into purses before this, I had one purse that I wore every day. I had one little evening clutch and that was it. So it's funny that I find myself here doing yeah, this thing. Funny. Um, funny. And so I, I think that anyway, it took me a while to kind of take it seriously and allow myself to give it a chance. Um, and that really I owe it to everyone who follows me on Instagram, all my customers, everybody who took me seriously, you know, mm -hmm. and it eventually encouraged me to take myself seriously and see that I could build, I could really build something here. Um, and it, I still don't know if I want to take it to some, you know, household name sort of level, or if I want it to just be known regional, you know, like one out of five people you came across that was in my demographic know who it is. And it's a nice uh -huh. lifestyle brand. And that, you know, is good enough. And we live a nice, comfortable life. And I have something that I'm proud of that never overwhelms. That sounds great. And also being a, you know, a household name sounds kind of amazing, too. And I don't know where I'd want to take it. And I assume I'll figure it out at some point. But until now, just figuring out how to scale up. What does that mean? How much money does that take? How much planning does that take? Like I know that some people might in my position go out and get angel investors and raise $250,000 and just go for it. Yeah. Um, I am not that much of a risk taker. So I've been just kind of growing with whatever cash I have and just trying to put it all aside. Fortunately, I still have um, another line of business in my pillow realm 
that really propped me up and has seeded all of this and allowed mm-hmm. me to put a lot of money aside um, and been able to put that back into the business. So I am able to, you know, have hardware made and order yardage for, you know, collections and do all of this stuff. And so I'm growing. And if somebody asked me how they should scale up and at what rate they should grow, I have no idea. I know that I've kind of done what felt right in the moment that I actually had the money for in that moment. And it was like, this is as much money as I'm comfortable spending. So how much can I get for this? That's kind of how I've been doing it. And um, I listen to podcasts on entrepreneurialism and small business constantly just trying to learn what do they do? What did they suggest? What's a smart business practice? When do I hire someone? You know, what do I outsource? Do I have enough money to outsource? I have to outsource this, you know, like stuff like that. I'm, I'm terrible. No, at that that. So, I have to so what's one of your greatest accomplishments so far then? What are my greatest what? Accomplishment? Accomplishments. Um, I think, I think having been in business this long. I mean, yeah. that sounds so simple, but um, I'm, I'm a creative. I'm not a crackerjack businesswoman. And okay. uh, I have had to overcome a lot of my weaknesses with, um, you know, understanding the business side of things. I just get a brain glitch when it, when it comes up. And then I've got QuickBooks and nothing I hate more and spending time in QuickBooks. I mean, oh, same. I, I'm not a numbers girl. <laughs> I despise it. But then everything I listen to is like, eh, if you're not keeping up with your numbers and you don't know your numbers every single day to the T, you're going to go out of business. And so it's yeah. to death. And I go into my QuickBooks and I weep for 30 minutes trying to figure my way through it. Um, not really, but you know, at that somehow I I think I seem to be doing it right. I mean, as much as I say, oh, I'm not good at this. I'm, I am scared to handle the business side of my business. I, I scare myself. I don't trust myself. But then one of my proudest accomplishments is to look back over the, the last year and a half or two years and say, well, shit. I mean, I'm, here I am and I've grown a lot and I have a factory here involved. I have a factory in China involved. I have revenue numbers that I'm really proud of. I'm about to hit 5,000 followers on Instagram and I grew that very organically. And like, I, I didn't expect to be here. Like this is pretty cool. So I think that's no, you've done a lot in a short amount of time, I feel like, and your business is just growing. And every time I look at it, I feel like just getting better and better. Thank you. I hope that's true. Um, no, it I, is. So on that note, what's next for Garland Bags? What are some things in the pipeline or some goals and dreams that you have um, coming up? So um, I have gotten so many requests, very sweet requests from people um, for clutches with straps of some sort, like a shoulder chain, an optional chain, and then some feedback about size. I think a lot of people are hoping for something a little smaller, um, oh. but they'll still need to fit, I think, about the same amount of stuff. So I'm looking at like a box clutch um, design. And I think that I have that just about figured out. And in fact, 
to set aside cash to go ahead and get that process underway. But now we're in an apocalypse and um, <laughs> nobody's buying handbags right now. You know, unfortunately, my my clutches are generally a splurge, like a fun splurge. Uh-huh. And they're often something that somebody purchases based on an event they have coming up, an outfit they just bought, you know, stuff like that. And nobody's yeah. buying fun things right now and nobody's making any plans. And so, you know, my business has really come to a halt. And so I am fortunately small enough to um, put the brakes on some things that I was about to do and uh, and just wait it out. And I can do that. And that's, I'm really fortunate that, you know, I'm still so small and nimble that I could kind of, I can roll with this and it's okay. Um, and just weather mm-hmm. the storm and I'm going to, I'm just going to continue to prepare I mean, you asked earlier what one of my biggest challenges has been, and it's definitely right now. Um, oh, I think every small business is going through that. And that's, yeah. you know, like I said, kind of why I started this podcast right now is I've been talking about it for months and stuff, but there's really been no fire under my buns to do it. Um, yeah. But I see all of these small businesses sort of struggling with the situation. So, right. And I'll tell so you, I, one thing I'm learning in this difficult, it's funny, in early January, I was just thinking through, I was having like a really good, positive, warm, fuzzy moment. And then I said to myself, well, but keep in mind, the economy has been gangbusters really since you have started this. So you Mm -hmm. need to start thinking through a contingency plan for when it inevitably dips and recesses. And I mean, that just is part of the cycle. So what are you going to do? You need to have some savings in place. You need to have some plans in place having no clue that that was going to be just in a few weeks. I mean, who saw this coming? So um, I'm learning right now the value of having that rainy day fund, which really I had set aside for a a tropical vacation for Travis and me. Um, Uh I'd been setting aside this fund money. I mean, I have cash, you know, in reserves for the company, but then I'd been setting aside a fund money account that I was going to kind of surprise him like, look, I've been putting this aside and we're going to Antigua, but yeah, uh, that's probably not going to happen now, but boy, am I um, relieved that I have this money, you know, over on the side and I'm, you know, can, can lean on that. And so this has been such a, a lesson in being prepared and don't, don't consider it cash, cash to spend just yet go farther. And I think, you know, that's what so much of so many of us are learning is to save for a rainy day, or it's forcing us to get more creative um, with how we're reaching customers, how we're marketing, um, and really thinking outside of the box, which in the end, even though it's awful right now, I think later on months from now, year from now, it'll better us. Yeah. I listened to a well-designed business podcast with Luann Vigera. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And, uh, and she did one the other day, of talking about their experience in their previous recessions and in kind of bad economic times. And her advice was to shut down every extraneous expense that is not necessary, even if it's tiny, um, even if it's magazine subscriptions or, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but do not pull back on your marketing budget if you can possibly help it. Just, you know, stay the course on your marketing. Um, yeah, because that's how you're directing 
you know, making your sales and reaching your customers. Yeah, exactly. And I, I thought that was really good advice. And I'm trying to kind of go forth with that. And it's also making me um, thankful and think a lot about how much I have not borrowed. I think, you know, mm -hmm. as I scale up and as I grow, I'm going to have to borrow at some point. I understand that's part of you know, most businesses, I, there are some exceptions and boy, wouldn't it be nice if I was always my own cash and never had to borrow and we'll see, but yeah, you know, and thinking through like, what if I had a loan and then now I'm, I had, you know, four or five or six or God forbid more months with almost no sales and I had to pay mm -hmm. this loan back. I mean, that is scared and uncomfortable. You don't have that weight over you, which is nice. Yeah. And so it's just, just some more food for thought for in the future as I grow and as things bounce back and they get good again. I hope that I remember, you know, these lessons for being cautious and being smart and having that rainy day contingency plan in place. And I want to write down, how did I weather this? And, you know, what did I learn for next time? There will be a next time, maybe not a yeah. global pandemic, but there'll be There'll be some hard time. There'll be something that comes up that's a challenge. So it's yeah. There will be dips and lows and challenges for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but it's just about how we make the most of them and overcome them. Totally. Um. So on a happier note, some quick questions for you. Okay. Um. First, what does preppy mean to you? How would you describe preppy style? Preppy style, I think, is colorful. And I don't know, when I think of preppy style, I think of um, like happy. Um, I have a very preppy style, I would say. I'm all mm -hmm. Tory Burch and J. Crew. Um, and yeah. when I'm getting dressed up in a preppy outfit, I'm usually trying to look nice, um, but casual. And I'm headed somewhere where I'm going to have some wine <laughs> or my. <laughs> And be with attractive people and feel like just having a great, you know, it just makes me think of fresh and fun. I guess that's yeah, it's a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Where would you live if you could live anywhere in the world? Mm. That's a good question. I have to say living in Savannah is not too shabby. I um, love Savannah. I'm jealous. Yeah. It's wonderful. And I don't want to leave Savannah. Um, we've said that before, you know, I'm, I, I'm really happy to stay here for the rest of my life, but we don't live on the water. So if I could live anywhere in the world, it would be Savannah, but probably on the marsh with deep water access. I know that's really particular. But no, that's that nice. really nice. <laughs> I want, I've got my eye on it. <laughs> um, okay. What's your go-to drink order? Um, well, kind of depends on where I am. If I am at the Mexican restaurant, which I am a lot, margarita. Um, if I am drinking in the neighborhood with friends, it's a like a Truly or a White Claw or a glass of wine. If I'm at dinner, it's wine. But I'm not a big liquor drinker, not, not for any more reason other than I just I don't like the way liquor tastes very much. So, so what kind of wine's your favorite then? Oh, anything light. So I like a Chardonnay, Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon Blanc, or a Rosé. That all sounds delicious. Yeah, I may go um, to the after this. I mean, I feel like every <laughs> the weekend I've been drinking 
earlier and earlier and like on a daily basis because I just my husband's here and my kids are here and we're all casual like I just I feel like everyone's been in the same boat oh my gosh I'm gaining all this weight it's a, <laughs> um yeah those drinks sound really good right now <laughs> what's the favorite thing in your closet right now oh I just ordered this maxi dress off of Intermix and it was on super sale. In fact, what's wrong with this dress? Why is it so affordable? Um, I ordered it anyway, and I don't know, maybe everyone else hates it, and that's why it was affordable. But I think it's the prettiest thing, and it has come post quarantine, so I haven't been able to wear it anywhere, and I'm really yeah. bummed about that. So, um, I'm dying to wear that. You need to put it on for your glass of wine later today. <laughs> yeah, I should do like a bag modeling shoot with it on just to get dressed. Uh, for sure. Um, what's one tip for getting out of a creative rut? Um, I don't know. You know, that's a good question. I I don't want to do be like, magazine, hey, creative like on Pinterest or. Yeah, um, actually Instagram. I, I mean, yeah, that's a great point. Instagram. I'm always on Instagram and it's a problem and I'm setting a horrible example for my kids. I am one of those people that's on social media too much. But in my defense, what I've said before is I'm not on there looking at other people's lives and longing to be them. I'm I'm yeah. very aware that everybody's kind of showing off for social media and that that doesn't really affect me. And in fact, I'm always on Garland Bags account, not my personal. And pretty much everyone I follow is design oriented in some way and it's mm -hmm. strictly for inspiration. It's really Yeah, for business and inspiration. Yeah, it's color combinations, beautiful rooms that I love. I follow some fashion people um like you who just like adorable outfits and the outfits will inspire me. You know, like basically anytime I'm bored or I'm not getting good any good ideas and I'm trying to think about what I want to do next, I hop on Instagram. So, yeah, I mean, my screen time weekly report is horrifying, but I like <laughs> to say it's market research. Exactly. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, okay. And then what are you currently either reading, watching, listening to? I am, my husband and I have been rewatching The Office every night on Amazon. I mean, on okay. Um, that's mostly what I'm watching. I do love reality TV, so it only just my favorites don't happen to be on right now. Um, I love The Bachelor. I love Below Deck. Um, uh, anything when Bachelor in Paradise starts, although I I guess maybe it's been delayed. I'll be happy. Yeah, I think it's been delayed. Ugh, great. Um, so who did you want Pilot Pete to pick then? Um, I thought that how it ended was probably appropriate <laughs> yeah um I don't know he was a little bit of a mess I mean <laughs> I was really proud of and I can never okay so Maddie I thought she was darling I mean yeah she's very sweet it would have been nice but but they weren't right for each other I mean I thought that was true I thought no, definitely not a good combo so. yeah they would not have lasted um I liked Kelly which one was Kelly she was oh, the one that lawyer. met him at the wedding before. Yes, the lawyer. And she I liked her yep. until like they had her saying nasty things at, at one point. Eventually, she was making fun of everyone in her interviews, which 
kind of hated to see because until then she'd seemed like she was above everything. And then yeah. she was getting nasty about them. And she wasn't wrong in some of the things she was saying, but I liked her too. Um, yeah. So as far as what I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm about to start on City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote Eat, okay. Pray, Love. And we have um, a book club. So I have to read that for book club. So and then, fun. Yeah. Prior to that, I've been reading a lot of entrepreneurial kind of motivational books, which is kind of dorky, but I'm just always scared that I don't know enough to do this right. So I'm just always reading and listening to books like, what, what kind of advice can I get from this? And, you know, that's I'm, smart. That's what I do as well. Yeah. I'm trying to get my MBA what, motivational books. <laughs> what podcasts then do you listen to? You mentioned you listen to a lot of podcasts. Oh my gosh. Listen, that's all I do. I'm pulling up my <laughs> podcast thing right now. Um, Okay, so I I love, love, love Conan O'Brien's podcast. Okay. Funniest thing on earth. I absolutely <laughs> love Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. Um, I really, I listen to Joe Rogan all the time, which I'm one of like five women who do. It's very, very <laughs> like dude heavy, but I love it. Um, and then for business stuff, I listen to a well-designed business Um yeah. Proof of product. She used to do um, stationary stuff, and now she yeah, I have her on my list too. Yeah, and she she has a lot of practical advice for kind of product based businesses, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Masters of Scale with Reed Hoffman is really good. Um, oh. it's a lot, and and how I built this. Do you want to listen to that? I love how I built this. Oh, yeah, I love it. Masters of Scale is a lot like how I built this. Um, okay. Talk to really that. high level CEOs and founders about kind of their philosophies and how they do things. Stuff You Should Know is a great podcast. Yep. They're also really cool. Planning for Profit, Building a Story Brand, the mm-hmm. Entree Leadership Podcast, the Mike Dillard Podcast. Oh, and Toby Fairley Design You. Love it. Yep. Um, Hitting Rock Middle, Sally Holder. It's a really good one okay. too. And then there are a few others that I listen to less, but I'm sewing all day. So I literally listen to podcasts like all day long. So I list, I have like 15 on my list. Yeah. I listen to them constantly along with like, I I can't work in silence. So I always have like YouTube videos or podcasts or something in the background playing always. Yeah, totally. Me too. Well, so final question, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? All of that to wrap it up. Um, I think the best place to kind of keep tabs on me is Instagram. So that's at Garland Bags. Um, if they want to buy something, then that would be garlandbags.com. I can be emailed at contact at garlandbags.com um, or just DM'd on Instagram. Um, I check them all. I see them all. Um, <laughs> and, then, and are you in stores right now across the country? That, so are there any stores that people can find you at? I'm in a handful of stores. Um, I typically have bags at Cortland & Co. here in Savannah. I'm in the Beaufort Linen Company in Beaufort, North Carolina. I'm in um, Shackleford Shoes in St. Simons. Amanda Raynall Interiors. She's in Des Moines. I'm there. Um I've got um, a store that's just placed actually a huge order with me. Um, 
that's online um, almost exclusively. Um, and then, gosh, I'm trying to think of where else. Um, it's been kind of, you know, off and on. I haven't done a lot of wholesale. This has really been on a case-by-case basis. Um, but so they can shop then at least on garlandbags.com. Yep. And then if you want to buy, um, yeah, from me, it's garlandbags.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you. This was so fun. I'm so flattered to be asked to be on a podcast. This is a first for me. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. Thank you.